SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Hour number two of our two-hour extravaganza. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. We are set a whole lot on our plate, little NFL. Uh, we got some college football to get to. Uh, we got baseball. We got NBA last night, a little NHL as well, and golf as we gave out uh, nothing but winners yesterday. We'll try and find you a couple of more winners today over at FanDuel with the uh, U.S. Open stuff. Uh, so 844-843-6879, a toll-free telephone number. We got our poll question out there as well. Who's the best young quarterback in the NFL aside from Pat Mahomes? Joe Burrow last night who played well, uh, not great, but well. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or the proverbial other. We'll update that a couple of times throughout the morning. And uh, we have some phone calls to get to, some emails uh, and some tweets as well, a little YouTube chat also. One thing last night, you know, is Cleveland beat Cincinnati 35-30, as we've been talking about. Baker Mayfield throws for 200-plus yards, two scores. Burrow throws for 303 scores. Did lose uh, one of two fumbles and really, you know, two, if you want to say another fumble, when the snap got snapped and he was trying to call a timeout. So he was responsible, we'll say, for two turnovers for the Bungles. But again, you know, they lose the battle, but maybe win the war with his progression of being a real NFL quarterback. But it is amazing, isn't it? You know, when you start thinking about this guy was just phenomenal. I, I mean, you couldn't have had a better season than what Burrow had last year in college football. And while he has not been horrible, he has also not been, you know, spectacular in the NFL. Uh, for those of us who think Alabama at certain years could beat worst team, the worst teams in the NFL, you see the difference. You know, he was thrown for five touchdowns a game in the almighty SEC, and he is struggling a little bit, you know, in the NFL. The difference is is really just night and day between the talent of even big-time, big-time, big-time college football and uh, in the NFL, and he's finding that out now. It's going to be a learning experience for the Bungles, but you know what? I'll take their future with him uh, versus some of these other teams, that's for sure. alright 844-843-6879. A lot to get to. Baseball stuff. The NBA with the Celtics losing again, blowing a double-digit lead. As I mentioned, golf and, and hockey as well. All coming up on a Friday morning. Thanks for having SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. The Bengals' defense was last against the rush last year. Allowed 155 to the Chargers. This one downfield. Beckham got him. Touchdown, Browns. 
to his left and to be able to set his feet, the double move on the outside creates the separation and he's, he's by him by four steps. And now it's a matter of whether or not Baker can load up and get it out there far enough before the catch up and that's a, that's a great route and a great throw by Baker. NFL Network last night, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman uh, with the call as the Browns do beat the Bungles uh, 35-30. And uh, Odell Beckham trade rumors maybe will be silenced at least for one week as Beckham had a halfway decent game yesterday, uh, getting the one touchdown pass as you just heard. So, you know, again, maybe this will silence things. But I, I will tell you, that Bungles defense is just awful. I, I mean, man, oh, man, you and I. Uh, could have thrown touchdown passes against that defense. I mean, the guy, why? I mean, touchdown, not not just like little swing passes, you know, for 10, 15 yards. I mean, touchdown passes where the Bungles' defensive back was just nowhere to be found. I mean, it's like, who is trying to cover this? You know, they were so wide open, you didn't even know who was supposed to be covering them. That's how wide open they were. So, you know, hop on the Odell Beckham, four receptions for 74 yards and a one TD. Uh, and again, albeit with 43 of those coming on that one particular play. Otherwise, he would have had three receptions for, what, 31 yards. Uh, Baker last night, going night, uh, 16 of 23 uh, for 219 yards, two scores, one interception. You know, here's the difference right now between the Brownies and the Bungles. Nick Chubb last night rushes for 22, yard, uh, 22 carries and 124 yards, and Kareem Hunt got 10 carries for 86 yards. Uh, they ran for over 200 yards as a team. That is huge for a quarterback to be able to hand the ball off and get, on average, 6.1 yards a carry. That's invaluable. That really is. The Bungles on the other side, Joe Mixon, you know, pretty good running back, right? 16 carries for 46 yards. He averaged, uh, you know, 2.9 yards a carry. You throw in Burrow and Bernard. They averaged less than three yards a carry. So Cleveland averaged double. Over double what Cincinnati did. There was no running game point being for Cincinnati. There was for Cleveland. That opened things up. That all said, Burrow did still throw 37 to 61 for 316 yards with his three touchdowns, sacked three times. He's got to learn a little more pocket presence. Uh, but, you know, you got to get a running game. You got to help this guy out. Boyd and Sample had seven receptions each uh, for the Bungles. Beckham with four, Jarvis Landry three. Uh, to lead the way for the uh, the Cleveland Browns. So Browns win at 35-30. We showed them in the first uh, portion of the program about how easy their schedule is. 14 straight road loss for Cincinnati. Again, defense, it was just brutal. Just, just absolutely brutal. They got a long, long ways to go. I don't care how good Burrow is. You you cannot give up 35 points, uh, albeit one was a fluke touchdown because there was a fumble by Burrow at the one-yard line. But still, you gave up, uh, you know, 28 points for all intents and purposes. And there was another drive in which, Cincinnati, which Cleveland was driving, but uh, uh, Baker was picked off in the red zone. So they, those two kind of balance each other out. So, uh, But it is amazing, the difference, right? Now, not that we needed any more evidence, but the difference between even LSU, SEC football, and the NFL football is uh, for Burrow night and day, night and day. But good win for the Browns. You know, in a lot of ways, it was like the perfect scenario. If you're a Cleveland fan, you know, you're obviously well past the point of moral victories. You needed a win. You got that. You got Washington next week. You could be two and one if everything falls the right way. And boom, you're on to your season. For Cincinnati, you know, would you rather have won this game like they did last week? You know, 16-13, but Burrow throwing for 150 yards like basically he did last week. 
You know what? No, I, I wouldn't. I, I really wouldn't. I know it's all about wins and losses, but it really isn't this year for Cincinnati. It's about seeing progress from Burrow and seeing if he really is an NFL starting quarterback. I don't care how high you're drafted. I can give you a list of a gazillion guys who are drafted high in the NFL and turn out to be bust. So, you know, he still has a lot to prove. So, you know what? If I'm a Bungles fan, I'll take a 35-30 loss with Burrow throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Last week, he didn't throw for a lot of yards, but he had that great last-second drive, which they screwed up on. This week, they don't have the last-second drive, uh, but he throws for a lot of yards, 303 TDs. Made some mistakes, no two ways about it. The fumbles, trying to call timeout, the ball was snapped, and, and everything else. Uh, but you know what? Overall, you're seeing some progress from Burrow. So to me, it, it was the perfect scenario last night in the NFL. Uh, NBA, uh, I tell you, I might be the only guy that is – fed up. I've had it up to here with, with Brad Stevens and how great a head coach he is. I've never been a big fan. Uh, never you know, was a big detractor. You know, was, was happy the Celtics signed him, but he's been there seven plus years now. He's been with Boston a long time. A long time. And he's still considered, you know, as I like to refer to him as boy wonder, you know, he's still considered to be this great genius of a head coach. And you know what? <clears throat> year in, year out, come postseason, I don't see it. I don't even necessarily see it in the regular season, but I give them a pass just because it's the NBA and it's the regular season. You know, I'm still waiting for them to be the number one seed. Hasn't happened. Still waiting for them to beat a team in the postseason that they're not necessarily supposed to beat. Still hasn't happened. You know, outside of really the win last uh, series against Toronto, every big-time NBA playoff series with him, they've lost. They've lost. He is not overachieved. He's underachieved. He's had a gazillion first-round draft choices. You want to blame Danny Ainge for maybe some of the screw-ups and not really getting this team over the top? Maybe. But you know what? He's had a ton of talent, and he has not gotten the job done year in, year out. And he's probably not going to get it done again this year. You know, he blew a couple of games against Toronto because his coaching was atrocious. He didn't have guys guarding people. You know, they lost heartbreaking loss after heartbreaking loss in that series. Give him credit for winning it overall four games to three. But that was a tough series. And now here they have a double-digit lead like they did in game one, and they can't hold on to it like they couldn't in game one. They jump out to a 17-point third-quarter lead, and they end up blowing it as Miami outscores them 37-17 in the third quarter. It turns a 13-point halftime deficit into a seven-point deficit heading into the fourth. And uh, while Boston did make some runs in the fourth quarter, ultimately they did not make the plays down the stretch. Miami did for the second straight game, and Miami walks away with a 106-101 win and a two games to none best of seven series lead. Can Miami, uh, you know, can Boston rally and win, uh, you know, four of the next five? I suppose so. They could, but it's not going to be easy. And and again, Brad Stevens, I I, I don't get it. I, I just I don't understand. I, I'm waiting for one of the announcers just to discuss it. They don't have to yell and scream like I do every morning, but I'm just waiting. You know, Boy Wonder used his only challenge early in the fourth quarter on an out-of-bounds play. And it clearly was out-of-bounds against Miami. They called it against Boston. And they were down seven. And maybe he felt, you know what, I'll, I'll use my one bullet now because it's down seven. If Miami gets the ball back and they score, now we're down nine or ten, and maybe that's the ball game. Maybe. You know, I, I might give him a slight little pass. But in reality, no. Because... 
I just don't understand these head coaches, and Stevens is as guilty as the next guy. Why would you, when you only have one challenge in the game, what are you doing using it early in the fourth quarter? Literally, it was the first minute of the fourth quarter. You have the entire fourth quarter. You could use that challenge whenever you want, even in overtime. It's used on fouls. There's not an automatic review like in the NFL on touchdowns and everything else. You don't have that in the NBA. They can review some things, but not fouls and not out-of-bounds plays. It's not automatic. I just don't understand why you would ever use that that early. It makes no sense to me. None. So now it didn't come into play last night. There wasn't any close plays down the stretch that they had to challenge, but there could have been, and we've seen that a gazillion times. I'm telling you, I would pretend I didn't even have a challenge until it was the final 15 seconds. And the same as I mentioned last night, I would pretend that uh, yesterday morning, I would pretend that uh, I had one extra timeout. I was, I would always, always, always keep the one extra timeout. He screwed that up in game one by not having any left. And they had inbounds the basketball, unbeat their own basket rather than half court. Uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm not, I'm, I've had it up to here with Brad Stevens and him, everyone thinking that he's the greatest coach in the world. He is not. He has been an absolute failure. Between him and Doc Rivers, two of the most overrated coaches in the NBA. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Bruce Arians kind of being... Bruce Arians and kind of being blunt in his criticism of you and specifically in the two interceptions. How is that for you? I think there's a perception that you haven't taken a lot of criticism from your coaches before. I don't think this is something that surprised you this week, is it? Uh, so what's the question? Yeah, just, just whether you were surprised at all to hear Bruce speaking publicly about the picks and, and, and being critical of you as he was. Uh, you know, he's a coach, so you know, I'm a player. Just trying to win a game. Interesting. You know, it sounded worse than it actually was. Sometimes you have to, uh, Scott Wetzel, Bagels and Bad Beats on this uh, Friday morning. Sometimes you have to watch something with the sound off to get the true effect. 844-843-6879. We'll get to that in a sec. Uh, first up, let's update the poll question of the day. Yesterday, we gave out must-see TV tonight is, and we listed the three major events with obviously the other. Browns and Bungles, uh, NFL not surprisingly led the way 37%. However, uh, maybe surprisingly, Tampa Bay Islanders NHL Game 6 got 33%. And, you know, Take it for what it is, but Boston and Miami, NBA got just 24%, and then other got uh, almost 6%. So NFL 37, hockey 33, NBA only 24, and then other six. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we got a decent number of votes yesterday. That tells you a little something, not necessarily about the NFL, maybe not even necessarily about the hockey, because I, I do find that maybe more amazing. But how about the NBA? You know, two prominent teams, Boston, Miami, and only getting, you know, one quarter of the vote, basically. That That's, wow. 
People are tuned off in the NBA. They they are really tuned off. I don't know if a LeBron versus Miami Heat final is going to bring fannies to the table. Um, you know, it will be the NBA finals. <clears throat> uh, we'll see how big the social justice issue is. But I got a feeling the ratings are going to suck. I, I, really, I, I got a feeling they're going to be just awful. So that was yesterday. So today we posted a uh, best young quarterback in the NFL, aside from Pat Mahomes, is in honor of uh, – you know, Joe Burrow last night. And uh, we got Lam- Burrow, uh, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and other. Uh, Lamar in, a, in a, just a, a runaway, a good number of voters. 65% say Jackson. Uh, only 20% say Burrow. I would have thought he would have gotten a little more considering how well he played last night. It's tough, really, to come up with that third one. You have Josh Allen. I could have put the Daniel Jones in there. It depends how far you want to go down the pecking order for Young. Uh, but uh, Jackson, 65. Burrow, 20. Allen, seven, and then other 7% as well. Uh, you know, Clearwater kid, as I mentioned earlier, with Drew Locke. Uh, most people seem to think Lamar Jackson is going to be the man as long as he can stay healthy. That's, you know, listen, you could say that about every player, but obviously there's a little caveat when it comes to, uh, you know, Lamar and how much running around he does. But back to Brady here. Yeah, you know, we talked about this on Monday. Uh, Bruce Arians, head coach of the Buccaneers, Called out again. Another thing where if if you watched it and then read it, it, it's it's two different things. When you read the quotes from Arians, it looks like wow, he's really really calling him out. And then when you watch it, you know it's like all right, he really isn't. He's just saying he didn't play too well, and you know he just was a fair in his assessment. He did have that one little comment about you know I I expect Brady to come out with a little more intensity, a little bit more something else, whatever quote it was. You know, th- that line was, was definitely a dig. But the other one was, was kind of like so-so. But again, it reads worse than what it is. Um, and then same thing here with, with, with Brady. When you hear the question, and I credit the, uh, the reporter, I don't know who that was, but he did, you know, uh, Brady maybe wasn't listening, but he did ask a question the first time. A lot of these bozos don't. But, you know, he did ask, you know, what's your reaction, basically, to Arians calling you out? And then Brady was either not paying attention or thought he could uh, stare the guy down, if you will. And and kudos to that reporter for coming back and saying, well, you know, again, what, what do you think? What's your reaction to Arians, you know, calling you out? I like that. And, and then Brady, you know, made those comments. When you read them, they look bad. When you watch them on TV, especially with the sound down, he is smiling when he's answering it. So does that mean he's fighting off, you know, uh, Bruce is a jerk? I'd like to, you know, crush him. Or is he, you know, playing along in this little game that there may be a discontent already in the Buccaneers locker room after one game? I'm not sure what it is, but I, I will tell you, you, you shouldn't really need to tweak Tom Brady. If, that, if that's Bruce's goal, you know, then maybe there's a reason why he's never won a Super Bowl as a head coach. Assistant, yes, but not, not as a head coach. So. um. I, you know, you're going down a dangerous path. That's the problem with this. You know, even if it's fun and games, even if these two are laughing uh, behind the scenes, you know, there's a bit of truth in everything. There really is. Even if it's fun and games, even if it's uh, two sides saying, let's have some fun here and create a little buzz. Uh, you know, we need to do something to kind of juice the other teammates. And maybe they think if I stand up to you, that'll help for some goofy reason. I mean, you are Tom Brady with your six Super Bowl rings. You wouldn't think that, again, that would be necessary. But maybe that's more of an indictment of that Buccaneer locker room than anything else. But, you know, even if they agreed on this, there, there's just a little sense of truth there that eventually one of these guys is going to cross the line and it's probably going to be Arians and Brady's going to get pissed off. Now, to the point where he'd get up and leave, he's got a two-year contract. I, I kind of doubt that. But, you know, 
There's got to be a part of Brady that's saying, holy fudge. You know, I, I had uh, Mr. Malcontent and, and uh, Bill Belichick, you know, for 15 plus years. I thought I was escaping that. I thought I was going to a situation where they were going to love me, even though I didn't win any Super Bowls for them. But, you know, they whined and dined me and said I can bring in Gronk and do whatever I want. And this is going to be my team. We're going to kick out Jameis Winston. You know, we're going to the Super Bowl. I thought everything was great for us. And here we are one week in, and I got this goofy head coach who hasn't won squat as a head coach, you know, call me out to the media. There, there has got to be. I don't care what Brady says, and I don't care how much he smiles and laughs and may be in on this thing. There has got to be a part of Tom Brady that's talking to his goofy wife. Uh, you know, you know, Giselle, she's not going to sit by quietly, and he's got to be saying to her, listen, uh, you know, this is not good. I, I went from the pot to the frying pan here. Uh, you know, send me back to New England. Thank you very much. And I can't help but think that knowing Belichick as we've come to know him over the last several years, does anyone else think it's kind of strange that Bill Belichick all of a sudden is talking up about how all these quarterbacks are great around the NFL? You know, he never said squat. Now, he never ripped um, Brady. I'll, I'll grant him that. But he was never over the top in praise for Brady. Not like everyone else was. And, and I always kind of thought that to be just of, all right, you know what? Everyone else is telling him he's the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, literally. You know, it's my responsibility to keep this guy's head to the ground, feet to the floor, and make sure he doesn't get too big-headed. So I always kind of, like, reasoned it as that that's just his role as the head coach. You guys talk all the praise you want. You know, I know how good he is. I'm not ripping him, but I'm not going to go over the top with him. So, but now lately... You know, Belichick this week, they're getting ready to take on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seagirls, and Belichick is calling Wilson underrated, saying, honestly, I think he's way underrated by the media or the fans. I don't know, but I really don't see anybody better than this player. This guy is a tremendous player. I don't think there's a better deep ball passer in the league in terms of decision-making and accuracy. He attacks literally every inch of the field. You know, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of days ago, last week, and, and really for the last month, he's been telling the world, Belichick, about how great Cam Newton is. He's a competitor. He's the toughest competitor I've ever known. He's this, he's that. I mean, Belichick all of a sudden has praise for everybody. Now, is this him just being kind all of a sudden, or is this a little subtle dig at Tom Brady? You know, I, we haven't gotten the full, full story, and I don't know if we ever will. I know there was a book that was written recently. I haven't had a chance to read it that shed some light on their relationship not being as great as as uh, most people want to believe. But, you know, I, I just can't help that that's a little bit of Belichick taking a shot at Brady. You know, uh, uh, Russell Wilson is, is uh, you know, a tremendous player, and uh, I really don't see anybody better than this player. Well, you know, that's got to include Tom Brady, right? Um, you know, in terms of decision-making, I don't think there's a better deep ball passer in the league. Again, you know, Tom Brady's in the league. He said basically the same thing about Cam Newton, about him, again, being a competitor and this and that, and a great leader, and, and, you know, he never, all these things that he's never, ever, he preys on with, with Tom Brady. So, is it that he really loves Cam Newton? Is it that he really loves Russell Wilson? Or, again, are these little subtle shots of Tom Brady? Might be a combination of both, but I I can't help but think it's it's more subtle shots at Brady. And I, I can't help but think he is just smiling ear to ear, knowing he beat Miami, albeit the Dolphins, 
uh, while Brady was losing to Tampa Bay, albeit or was losing to the Saints, albeit to the Saints' tough loss. I, I can't help but think he is getting a double joy. He has turned into the real Red Sox fan, Bill Belichick. He's got two ways to win. His team winning or Brady losing. You know, like the Red Sox fan has the Red Sox winning or the Stankies losing. That's what he's turned into. And th- this is, a, you know, a key stretch for Tampa Bay. There really is. They got a pretty easy schedule. Um, the NFL did them favors. You know, a lot of times you hear people say the NFL did them no favors. Well, they did them, you know, favors. It, it's, first of all, it's a pretty easy schedule overall. But, you know, they give them the tough game against the Orleans to start the year. Then they get Carolina at home. Then they get Denver, albeit on the road, but Denver stinks. Then they get the Chargers at home. I mean, you have three games there if you're Tampa Bay where any issues you may have had in game number one for Brady, we're going to find out about him over these next three weeks. If Tom Brady is anywhere close to being the old Tom Brady, they're going to be 3-1 and one after October 4th against a home game against the Chargers. If Tom Brady is not Tom Brady anymore, then they might be, you know, one and three, even two and two. Even if they win just two of these three games, there's no reason for them not to beat a, a, a mediocre at best Carolina team. There's no reason for them not to beat Denver, albeit on the road. And there's certainly no reason at home to not to beat the LA Chargers. So then it picks up after that. They got at Bears and Green Bay. But the Giants are on the schedule, you know, and uh, Falcons are on the schedule. Detroit's on the schedule. So I'm just about to play it's not bad. It really is. All right, more coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Yeah, back to bagels and bad beans with Scott Wetzel. Then this, deep down the left field line, home run. Donaldson with a solo home run. And the Twins have hit three against Lopez this afternoon. And what a move by manager Rocco Baldelli to come out and defuse that situation, let Donaldson focus back in on what he's trying to do. And then the spark that he needed, Donaldson didn't miss it. He tossed him. They just tossed Donaldson for kicking dirt on home plate as he crossed home plate. So now here comes Rocco Baldelli, and he's likely to get tossed too. Donaldson kicked dirt on home plate as he crossed it, and Dan Bellino just kicked him out of the game. You see something you may maybe never have seen before. I have never seen a guy get thrown out after hitting a home run. But. Yeah, good point. I don't think I have either, to tell you the truth. Twins Radio Network with the call. And it was a costly one, as we spoke earlier. You know, Minnesota goes on to lose 4-3 to the White Sox, and now they're four back in the loss column in the AL Central race. And with 10 games left, that that was a two-game swing, obviously. They could have been two back with 10 left, which is not insurmountable. Now they're four back, and they're not going to catch the White Sox uh, four back with the 10 games left. So they're now probably gone from maybe being a top-four seed to more than likely play in the first round on the road. 
So that's a big game. That, that was a big game, and Donaldson being the big baby that he was in that situation got himself kicked out of a game because he didn't like the uh, strike call in the pitch earlier. Can't do it. Not not in that spot. You you just can't. So that that cost them. Uh, 844-843-6879. Uh, we'll do some golf stuff here because uh, FanDuel is back at it. They got a couple of more props that – boy, I love these props on these golf things. You, you guys can go ahead and try and pick a winner out of 150 people. Uh, you know, uh, just to give you a good example, outright winner Justin Thomas is 4-1. to one. Now, he's got a one-shot lead after the first round. I, I mean, you know, to think that he's the overwhelming favorite is, is crazy when you got three more rounds to go and you're only getting 4-1 to one odds. I, I don't, you know, unless I want to play some hunches and just throw some darts, I like looking for the props. And, and there's a couple on FanDuel. I wish there were a few more. Uh, but there are a couple, and both to me give you pretty good value. So we'll get to that here in a second. But uh, 844-843-6879. Jason down in Louisiana hopefully is safe down there with all the craziness of the uh, the hurricanes and everything else going on, tropical storms. What's up, Jason? How are you today, bud? Uh, life is good when you get power back and you ain't had it in like four and a half weeks. So we're doing good. Wow. <laughs> four and a half weeks? You You went, Jason, four and a half weeks without power? Holy crow. We sure did. We ran on a wow. generator for two weeks, and then we, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It, but you know what? We're surviving down here, and it's going to take a while to rebuild, but us Cajuns, we uh, we help each other out. We'll get through it. Well, God bless you on that. Oh. Man, that is, I thought I was bad for a week, uh, four and a half weeks. Holy crow. So, wow. Well, they still got people without power. Bunch of main power grids are down, so it, it's going to be tough for a while. But we've been through it before. This is like our fourth hurricane, so we'll be all right. Uh, you know, I got to be honest with you. Not a not a huge fan of uh, rookie quarterback starting, but uh, I give props to Burrow. He did his thing. Uh, I seen your poll question. I like Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is a dual-threat quarterback, and and he can run just as well as pass and make use with what weapons he has. I'm very intrigued on your Brady conversation because, as you know, I'm a Saints fan, and I loved every minute of it Sunday. Uh, that was a hell of a win by a team, and uh, for, the, uh, for the Saints, that just proves that you're not going to run on our defense, and the road still goes through the NFC South through New Orleans. But honestly, uh, I uh, I think Brady's going to struggle. Uh, I really think Carolina is going to upset them this weekend. I think Carolina, uh, I think McCaffrey's going to have a good run game. And uh, I really think that uh, Bridgewater is going to uh, make do with Anderson and Moore and and I, I don't know. I just like Carolina to take it this weekend. And honestly, anytime a team loses in the NFC South, I'm good with that. You know how I feel about Dallas. I called you for many years, but you know what? For once, go Dallas because I, I I just want the Saints to I want the Saints to win the NFC South. And I think they took a step forward, sending a message by beating the the uh, the Buccaneers. So. Uh, I love talking to you, man, and I appreciate your thoughts first down here. Uh, we could use uh, we could use those thoughts and prayers, my friend. You got it, Jason. Appreciate that, bud. Absolutely. Yeah, Dallas takes on the Atlanta Falcons uh, 1 o'clock on Sunday. You're right. That, that, that was a, uh, you know, it was a statement win for the Saints. You know, 
with uh, Tampa Bay and Brady and Gronk and everyone getting all the publicity down there. We were kind of forgetting, not necessarily forgetting, but you know, we were ready to anoint Brady and company as the uh, the crowns of the NFC South and, and for the Saints to be able to win that and really win it handily. I mean, it was a one-score game, and then it kind of unraveled there the first five minutes of the second half when Brady threw the pick six, and then they fumbled the ensuing kickoff. And, you know, a one-score game turned into a three-score game in a blink of an eye, and, and for that, for all intents and purposes, was it. But, you know, overall, though, good, good win by the Saints. You know, maybe they got that little karma. You know, you hate to you know, kind of uh, relate the two, but, you know, maybe all the things that are going on down in the Louisiana area, Jason, again, I appreciate the phone call. It's just kind of given the, the Saints one more reason to, to fo- be focused this year where you have so many reasons not to be focused for these teams. And I think we've seen that with these bubble clubs, whether it's the NHL or the NBA, um, you know, m- maybe the, the, the craziness of the Louisiana area is just giving the Saints one more reason to kind of win one for the Gipper and fight for the fans and, and be the distraction that maybe some of the fans down in that area need. So, uh, like I, said, I, I can't, I couldn't imagine a month and a half or a month plus without electricity. I mean, um, even if you had a generator, sounds like he had one there for a couple of weeks. I'm getting a generator. Well, I'm planning on getting a generator. I'll tell you, I got a guy coming uh, next week, uh, a generator guy, and, and I got another local guy uh, because I, I just know living here on the East Coast. I've been saying it now for a few weeks. We're set for a disaster. It's already cold now. You know, we're mid uh, September, and you know we've been that close to putting the heat on. We haven't run the air conditioner really in a little while. It's going to be cold. It, it is going to be. And, and people ask, well, why do you say that? Uh, I, listen, I'm not a weatherman, not a meteorologist, but why not? It's 2020. You know what has gone right this year that makes you think we're going to have a calm winter? You know, and, and for the East Coast people. It's been a couple of years since we've had even a rough winter. I mean, last year we had basically, and this is no exaggeration, I think we had two snowfalls totaling maybe six inches total. I mean, we had basically nothing last year. And the year before, not much more than that either. We've had really two years of almost no snow, which is just amazing. So we are long overdue, and it's 2020. And with everything else crazy going on in this world, in 2020, again, what makes you think that we're not going to have a crazy winter? So, um, yeah, I- I'm looking to get a generator over the next uh, couple of weeks for sure because we're not going to have any power, and that means no shows, and that means no money, and that means no fun, and I, I can't have that. So, uh, yeah, pretty good NFL schedule, not so good college football. I'll tell you, college football, before we get to the NFL, you don't realize it until, you know, as the saying goes, and, until you miss it and don't have it, but – that's kind of the case for the SEC and really the Big 12 or the Big 10 as well. I'll give them some kudos here. But you look at the college football schedule this week. And for the second straight week, now we have, you know, 15 or so games. Honestly, there's not a game on the schedule that's going to make me change my plans on a Saturday. Now, for me, I happen to be working. But, you know, Campbell, Coastal Carolina later tonight. Can't wait for that one. Austin P. Cincinnati. You know, you have an ACC matchup in Boston College and Duke, but who's going out of their way to watch that? Houston and Baylor, who cares? Liberty Western Kentucky, Louisiana Lafayette and Georgia State. Ooh, can't wait for that one. Uh, Navy Tulane, big deal. ACC Syracuse and Pittsburgh, who gives a rat's behind? Tulsa, Oklahoma, even uh, Oklahoma State, rather. Even our beloved Irish hosting South Florida as, uh, you know, 25-and-a-half-point underdogs at the uh, 2.30 Eastern time is not going to cut it. App State, Marshall, big deal. Georgia Tech, Central Florida, who cares? Citadel, Clemson, that'll be 70 to nothing in the first half. 
I mean, there's, a, you know, Miami-Louisville is probably the best game on paper ACC-wise, but in reality, both those teams are nowhere close to being what they used to be. So Wake Forest, North Carolina State stinks, and, and that, that's it. I mean, that is, you know, when UTEP and Abilene Christian is on your schedule as the, uh, you know, bailout game of the night, 9 o'clock Eastern time, you know you're in a lot of trouble. And that, that's college football. So my point is, without the SEC, you know, e- even the SEC, South Carolina versus, uh, you know, even South Carolina, Tennessee brings a little cachet to the table. You know, the Big Ten has a number of nationally, you know, not necessarily ranked teams, but, you know, you could sell Michigan, you could sell Michigan State, you could sell Penn State, you could sell Ohio State, obviously, you could sell Nebraska. Uh, you know, you have five decent teams. I think I'm probably forgetting one more. Uh, but you got five like rock solid teams that you see on the schedule and you say, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pause and watch those things. I watch those guys play same thing in the sec. You know, you get the obvious ones in Alabama and then you got Auburn and LSU and Georgia, but even Tennessee is doable. Kentucky's elevated its program over the last couple of years, South Carolina as, as well. You know, you, you have a half a dozen teams that are going to make you stop and say, okay, I'll watch this. You just don't get that in the ACC and, and the Big 12. I, I mean, outside of Oklahoma in the Big 12, you want to tell me Texas? It's been a long time since Texas has been must-see TV, a long time. It's really Oklahoma. You know, maybe throw Oklahoma State in there, but it's not, you know, Oklahoma's not gonna, Oklahoma State's not going to carry the game by itself. They need to be playing like a really good football team. TCU has dropped way back. Texas Tech has dropped way back. Baylor's now dropped way back. It's really, it's Oklahoma. That's it. And in the ACC, it's obviously just Clemson and now Notre Dame. But otherwise, you're not going out of your way to watch Pittsburgh and Syracuse. I'll tell you that. So it is, it's amazing how much college football really needs the Big Ten and the SEC, really. You know, if you had your druthers, I suppose the SEC would be number one, which they have. And, uh, you know, eventually maybe they'll have the, the Big Ten. But you really do need those because otherwise it's a bunch of SMU versus North Texas. And uh, that's not going to cut it. It really isn't. NFL-wise, you know, halfway decent week. You know, it's a little different because, you know, there aren't any teams that are just atrocious. Like, and you can't really get the mismatches that you can in college football, like, you know, uh, Citadel versus Clemson. What is Clemson doing? I mean, you know, you talk about just naming your price. But, you know, you got decent rivalry games. You got Tampa Bay and Carolina this week. Uh, you do have Green Bay and Detroit rivalry game. Uh, Roethlisberger, who's yelling and screaming about how sore he is, will take on the, the Denver Broncos uh, this week. Pretty good matchup on the East Coast here with the, the Rams and Philadelphia Eagles, uh, which the Eagles are now are one-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, a kind of a do-or-die game, uh, if you can have that in week number two for the Colts and Vikings. You know, these games in which there are 0-1 te- teams facing each other, you know, you got to win. You know, the, the, one of these two teams is, is set it for a, uh, a real disappointing season. Niners taking on the Jets here uh, in, in New York, and even Washington and in, uh, in, uh, Arizona. You know, one of those two goofy teams that nothing was expected of is actually going to be 2-0. You know, the headline game is, is probably Baltimore and Houston. Um, most people jumped off the bandwagon with the Texans. I have not yet. And then your Sunday night game is uh, New England and Seattle. So not a monster, monster game, but, you know, halfway decent games, uh, that said. So uh, the college football schedule, not so good. NFL, halfway decent and, and uh, you know, nothing crazy this weekend for sure. 
NBA is later on tonight, though. We'll get to that next story that we failed to get to as well. And uh, we've been on fire handing out winners. We'll continue that with a couple of golf plays and then uh, maybe an NBA play as well. Lakers and Denver Douglas open up. Got an interesting stat about LeBron James, a negative stat. So we can do the thing right here. Maybe SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. on this Friday, as we always like to do with some stories that we didn't have time to get to. Philadelphia Fire reports the 76ers are interested in uh, hiring a Rocket GM Daryl Morey as their new president of basketball operations guy. Uh, Premier League is starting to uh, have its season on Saturday. Not going to have Black Lives Matter patches on their shirt. Instead, they're going to change that to no room for racism because they don't like some of the associations that the BLM movement is uh, supporting. Marcus All reportedly looking to go back home to Europe to play next year in basketball. Bucks swingman Chris Middleton left off all three NBA uh, All-Star teams this week, despite having more total votes than two other players. But because the voters split his position at guard and forward, he gets screwed. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Chargers place uh, center Mike Pouncey on IR, done for the season uh, with uh, hip surgery. Joe Buck uh, receiving the Pete Rosell Award, inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. In the uh, radio and television uh, side of things, which I, I'll never buy into that. Uh, Deion Sanders expected to be named next head coach of Jackson State. One little hiccup. Uh, he's a, a, a Puma guy and or um, uh, one, he's one of them and they're, they're Nike and he's not Nike. So that's a little bit of an issue, but uh, I'm sure they'll get it all resolved. Uh, one way or the other. All right, winners and losers. First up, we'll give you the winners here. And that is, I do like the uh, the over in the Laker game tonight. I'm going to stay away from the Lakers because LeBron is one in six. His last seven opening round playoff games, one in six. That's really amazing. Uh, I know the Lakers have been a predominantly an under team this postseason, but you know what? Two eleven. I, I got a feeling this is going to be a high scoring series. The regular season matchups were, and I don't think this is going to be any different. Uh, so go with the uh, under. And, excuse me, go with the over. And in golf, you know what? Um, I, I keep on playing it. Well, I think that now they've adjusted the uh, score to plus one or better. I think uh, you're going to get a plus one winner at the U.S. Open. So go ahead and do that. Great job by all the phone calls, emails, and tweets. Uh, have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here at Bagels and Bad Beats. Uh, should be on Monday, Bagels and Bad Beats.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.